this I haven't seen in years. This is wonderful. The child is in love with a prince. Have you lost your senses completely? He's a human. You're a mermaid. Teenagers, you give them an inch, they swim all over you. The time has come to return. Under the sea. Under the sea. When the sun Walt Disney Pictures invites you back to the spectacular world of The Little Mermaid. Look at you. There's something different. No, She's no, no. got legs, you idiot. Relive the timeless classic with Flounder, Sebastian, King Triton, Ursula the Sea Witch, Prince Eric, and of course, Ariel. Oh my gosh. Sing with me now. theaters this holiday season. This I haven't seen in years. This is wonderful. The child is in love with a prince. Have you lost your senses completely? He's a human. You're a mermaid. Teenagers, you give them an inch, they swim all over you. The time has come to return. Under the sea, under the sea. When the sun music to me. Walt Disney Pictures invites you back to the spectacular world of The Little Mermaid. Look at you. There's something different. No, She's no, no. got legs, you idiot! Relive the timeless classic with Flounder, Sebastian, King Triton, Ursula the Sea Witch, Prince Eric, and of course, Ariel. Oh my gosh. Sing with me now. theaters this holiday season.
Welcome to a part of your world riffic episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets. And joining me and already laughing... <laughs> Kyra Hawkins. So uh, part of your world, was that, was that what got you? No, when you added riffic to the end, I was like, oh my god. I didn't know where you were going with it, but that's not what I expected, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have no clue what we're talking about... What's wrong with you? This, this is the last official Disney movie from the 80s. So we are bidding a fond adieu to the 80s, but don't worry. We have some very good non-Disney, but Disney adjacent films coming up and we'll talk about some of those at the end of this episode we are covering the back up on my notes november the 17th 1989 release the little mermaid the original not the disney remake that they just did uh this year (laughs) it did 84.4 million dollars in the box office the original time, which is roughly $210 million in today's box office. Its total box office revenue from all the re-releases, re-re-re-re-re-releases, <laughs> is just over $235 million. And, of course, I didn't adjust that for inflation because I think it's been released just about every five years and will probably continue to be so. So, this is one that I didn't watch in the theaters because I was still living under a rock and had only seen two movies in the theater as of 1989. And neither of them were Walt Disney pictures. That was Annie and E.T. And after seeing those two, my mom said we're not going to movies anymore. And I didn't go to see another movie until... Uh, Hamlet came out with Mel Gibson in 92 because my English teacher said you either have to watch the play, you have to either have to watch the movie, watch the play, or read the book. And I was like, oh, it's a movie? Well, let's go to see that. So I went by myself and sat in the theater, and I think I was alone in that theater, but whatever. But I digress. I have seen this movie more times than I can count. This is one of my wife's favorite films. Mm-hmm. And she actually sat down and watched it with me. And we quoted dialogue to each other and sang the songs to each other. And it was a rollicking good time. What about you? Um, I remember going to see this in the theater with um, my aunts and cousins who were all older than me at the time. Or they're still older than me, but <laughs> <laughs> that's normally how that works, but um and I know that probably all of us had it on VHS. Mm-hmm. Um so I too have seen it more times than I could count. It was always a favorite growing up. Um we actually haven't watched it very much at all since Keaton was old enough to voice her opinion. Um, just because, like, I thought she would love this movie. Huh. 
But when she was pretty little, Ursula scared her. Um, which I get, Johnny, she's kind of scary. But, like, she's held on to that fear all this time. Um, even just a couple years ago, she she's 12 now. And a couple years ago, she said something like, I like The Little Mermaid, but I don't like to watch it because I don't like Ursula. So um, I haven't watched it as probably as often as you in the last few years, but um, it's a long time favorite. It's on the list anyways. And now see, I want to say it was, well, I can't say because time runs together nowadays, Mm -hmm. but it's been several years ago that my wife and I dressed up as Ursula and Triton for trunk or treat. And we did not get the respect that we deserved <laughs> as the lords of the sea, but whatever. But yeah, Ursula is terrifying. Even as a um, woman, she is terrifying because there's something about her eyes. But we will get into that when we start to discuss the movie. So the synopsis, which as always comes to us care of Wikipedia, goes a little something like this. Under the Atlantic Ocean, in the kingdom of Atlantica, Ariel, a 16-year-old mermaid princess, dissatisfied with her life, is fascinated by the human world. With her best friend, Flounder, Ariel visits Scuttle, a seagull who gives inaccurate information about humans and collects human artifacts in her grotto. Her father, King Triton, the ruler of Atlantica, However, says contact between merpeople and humans is forbidden. One night, Ariel, Flounder, and Sebastian, a crab who serves as Triton's advisor and court composer, travels to the surface to watch a birthday celebration for Prince Eric. Ariel falls in love with Eric at first sight. A storm later wrecks the ship and knocks Eric overboard. Ariel rescues Eric and brings him to shore. She sings to him but leaves him just as he regains consciousness to avoid being discovered. Eric vows to find the girl who saved him. Discovering a change in Ariel's behavior, Triton questions Sebastian and learns of his love learns of her love for Eric. Outraged Triton travels to Ariel's grotto and destroys her collection of artifacts in a misguided attempt to protect her. After a remorseful Triton leaves, Two eels named Flotsam and Jetsam convince Ariel to, to visit Ursula, the sea witch. Ursula makes a deal with Ariel to transform her into a human for three days in exchange for Ariel's voice, which Ursula puts in a nautilus shell. Within these three days, if Ariel receives a true love's kiss, she will remain a human permanently. Otherwise, she will transform back into a mermaid and belong to Ursula. After accepting... Ariel is given human legs and taken to the surface by Flounder and Sebastian. Eric finds Ariel on the beach and takes her to his castle, unaware that she is the one who has rescued him earlier. Ariel spends time with Eric, and at the end of the second day, they almost kiss, but are thwarted by Flotsam and Jetsam. Furious at Ariel's close success, Ursula disguises herself as a young woman named Vanessa and appears on shore singing with Ariel's voice. Eric recognizes the singing, and Ursula cast a hypnotic entrancement that makes him forget about Ariel. The next day, Ariel discovers that Eric will be married to Vanessa. Scuttle discovers Vanessa's true identity and informs Ariel, who pursues the wedding barge. 
Sebastian informs Triton, and Scuttle disrupts the wedding with the help of various sea animals. In the, in the chaos, Ursula's shell is destroyed, restoring Ursula, Ariel's voice and breaking the enchantment over Eric. Realizing that Ariel is a girl who has saved his life, Eric rushes to kiss her, but the sun sets and Ariel transforms back into a mermaid. Turning back into her true form, Ursula kidnaps Ariel. Triton confronts Ursula and demands Ariel's release, but by giving up his trident. Ariel is released as, as Triton transforms into a pilot and loses his authority over Atlantica. Ursula declares herself the Queen of the Seven Seas, but before she can use the trident, Eric appears with a harpoon. Ursula attempts to kill Eric, but Ariel intervenes, causing Ursula to inadvertently kill Flotsam and Jetsam. Enraged, Ursula uses the trident to grow in size. Eric and Ariel reunite on the surface just before a gigantic Ursula separates them. She then gains full control of the ocean, creating a storm and bringing sunken ships to the surface. Just as Ariel is about to be killed, Eric commandeers a wrecked ship and impales Ursula with its splintered bowsprit. With Ursula dead, Triton and the other polyps in her, in her garden reform back to their original forms. Realizing that Ariel truly does love Eric, Triton turns her into a human and approves her marriage to Eric. Ariel and Eric marry on a ship in the park with all of her friends and family watching them as well. The end. So, as you know, friends and family and followers of the show, I do my notes as a um, series of thoughts. So, I try to keep up with a movie and sometimes my notes don't make sense when I'm reading them back. But when I actually sat down to watch this, I don't ever remember seeing Eric on the ship at the beginning. Hmm. But the crew is singing a sea shanty, and I pretty much think they told that Eric was going to get cast overboard pretty soon. And it was, and it kind of tripped me out because I said, "Did the crew just foretell what would happen to Eric?" Yeah, you know, uh, that kind of made me think of Frozen mm -hmm. because the song at the beginning of Frozen pretty much tells what's going to happen in the movie. But then we just, we just move on and don't think about that anymore, and. The next thing we see, we got some beautiful backgrounds, very nicely painted backgrounds. I loved that. And then we get introduced to Horatio Felonius Ignatius Crustaceus Sebastian. I had no clue that was his full name as many times as I've watched this movie. I was like, is that his full name? Or are they just like describing him? I mean, Horatio Felonius Ignatius Crustaceus Sebastian. <laughs> and he is the conductor of Triton Symphony. And he has this cute little seahorse crab shell chariot that he can't control himself. And that's also funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny that, like, he's the symphony director or conductor or whatever, but he's also, um, like such a highly regarded um, advisor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting, but okay. Yeah. 
And so, they're there for Ariel's big reveal yeah. as a singer. And meanwhile, she's um, out exploring shipwrecks with Flounder, her little buddy. Mm-hmm. And we find out that she's 16 years old, which I had no clue that she was that age. Which kind of makes me wonder how old is Eric? And are we into another um, older man, younger woman situation like we had with the Christmas movie last year? You would think that they would just that. Like, I know a lot of, like, fairy tales and, like, fables or whatever involve very young women or girls Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I guess at some point you would think that they'd be like, uh, maybe we should change this narrative just a touch. Like it wouldn't change the story at all. But, um, I don't know. Like now as an adult hearing, oh, she's 16 and then she gets married at the end. I think of Clueless mm-hmm. where, um, she's like, it, it kind of does. Well, spoilers for Clueless. Uh, <laughs> That's ah, a 30-year-old movie if they haven't watched it. Oh gosh, is it? It is almost 30 years old. Oh, my gosh. Stop. Okay, spoilers <laughs> for Clueless. <laughs> I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. Um, it, like, kind of does a fake-out, like, wedding shot. And then she's like, as if. I'm 16. Mm-hmm. And I, like, now, I don't know. As an adult, I think Ariel's 16, and it's not Kentucky, so why is she getting married? Well, and see, the only movie that honestly has skewed the young female to being of a consenting age is Pocahontas. Mm, Because Pocahontas didn't, unless she was just drawn, did not look like a 13-year-old girl like she was in real life, but... Yeah, I don't remember if it talks about her age in that one, but I always just assumed that, like, I didn't know that Pocahontas in real life was as young as she really was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, our I don't want to make any political or whatever comments about our education system, but um, I know we got very watered down versions of some of those historical stories. So Mm -hmm. I didn't even like, I feel like I didn't really know that much about Pocahontas until the movie. So it probably wasn't until the last 10 years that I even knew that she was that young, really. So, uh, but we're not here to talk about Pocahontas. No, no, we'll, we'll we'll cover Pocahontas probably in the next year or two. Because it's coming up. It's yeah. it's a 90s movie because I saw that one in the theaters, which means it was between 94 and 7, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that are Disney files, you can write in and tell me exactly what day it was released before we actually get to the movie. Yeah, so. I was in fifth grade, I think, when it came out. But, of course, Ariel being a 16-year-old teenage girl, she's out causing mischief and she almost gets eaten by a great white shark but of course this being a disney movie she gets away and comes back and gets in trouble for missing her grand debut 
And then we get the greatest line of the movie. Well, one of the greatest lines. There's several. Um, Sebastian says, give them an inch and they swim all over you. <laughs> and that's a very horrible impression of Sebastian. And please do not write in. I know it's bad. But then we get the great Buddy Hackett as the seagull who knows everything but knows nothing. I love Scuttle. And so he's telling Ariel about all the doofollies and whatever you call them that she has acquired. And that will play a minor role later on in the film, much to everyone's laughter. Yeah. It's like one of the things. Yeah. And so she goes and she puts her new trinkets in her big old treasure room i guess would be the best way to put it mm-hmm. and she has a whole library underwater i'm no mechanical engineer nor do i play one on the radio but books don't stay together if they're underwater yeah. in fact they tend to get poofy and very not normal book size but once again, I'm probably overthinking all this, as I normally do with these movies. I was going to say, you got to suspend your disbelief for just a little bit. Yeah. And then we get back to Eric, and it's whatever birthday that he's having, and he gets a huge sculpture of himself in his nightly regalia. Yeah, it's like a weird gift, but I'm not rich or royal so maybe it's a good maybe it's a good gift yeah and i was taking notes and i'm not sure did they run into a storm and that's how the ship capsized or was it caught on fire from all the fireworks oh i don't remember ariel's like watching the whole thing how does mm-hmm. it what i mean there's a storm i think okay scene is like longer than I remembered <laughs> oh I think they like come upon a storm okay like the fireworks happen first but then like the ship is on fire because like lightning or something and this, does it make more okay. fireworks then yeah that 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 makes that makes all the sense so Eric's ship gets blown up real good yeah and Ariel being the lovesick girl that she is please don't write i don't need hate mail tonight oh side note eric it's his 18th birthday so not like the worst 16 18 no no considering we had a what 17 and a 35 year old in another movie yeah okay anyways i just i looked up because i was not sure so his ship gets like destroyed ariel rescues him and falls in love yeah yeah, and she, the next morning, she's on the beach, and it occurred to me, how does she survive out of the water? Because there was this movie that Touchstone did that was the first PG-13 movie that Disney released under their Touchstone label called Splash. Yes. 
And Daryl Hannah could not survive out of the water for more than a certain amount of time, or she started not being too good. So, how long was Ariel just staring into Eric's unconscious eyes before <laughs> he comes around? That's a good question. I mean, it looks like she kind of drug him. All, I mean, it was the middle of the night, I think. Yeah. So, like, she's with him all night, and, like, I don't know, like, You'd think her family would be like, uh, she's been gone a long time, guys. Yeah. But, hmm, she loves him. She loves him, yes. Beautiful. He's he's her lobster. He is, like, for an animated guy, he is pretty handsome. (laughs) I remember, like, developing a crush on Prince Eric when I was, like, pretty young. Because he's handsome. And so we go back and the we go back to Ariel's little underwater treasure trove and somehow Flounder has drug Eric's full blown statue into the middle of this room. Yeah, he had to have some help. Yeah, but what kinda I mean, the size of that statue, even if it is underwater, doesn't he'd have to have like a non Marvel cinematic universe. Aquaman helping her, helping him drag it in. Yeah, like how? Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Ariel's like thrilled. King Triton is super ticked because Sebastian was like, "Uh, I got, I have to tell you this," and so he finds out and like destroys it all. And I remember like between her thinking like humans have it so good and I bet they're like they're not mean to their daughters I remember Mm -hmm. like being a kid that thought my parents were so mean and being like oh girl nope you're wrong but I like um how you romanticize this world that you don't know anything about I think we all do it Mm -hmm. um where is it going with that I don't know she's like She's in love. He destroys all her things, and so she's, like, devastated. Yeah. And like I said, my wife and I were watching this together, and she mentioned that the destruction of the room was not really necessary. Unless it was to drive a point that she needed to go find Ursula and mess things up really badly. Yeah, he just was, like, angry and not handling it well, like... I have some thoughts about King Triton that maybe I'll bring up later because it like it comes to like it comes for full circle around the end of the movie. But um, he's like instead of dealing with this in the way that like you would think a dad who loves their kid would, uh-huh. he just goes like straight to anger because she's like kind of been lying to him and breaking the rule of never going to the surface which I feel like that gets addressed like wasn't like something with her mother I think that gets addressed in one of the sequels I don't remember though oh yes the wonderful sequel I didn't see them I just like vaguely remember something but because we never really get an explanation about her mom yeah. But, I mean, why else would he be so ticked about her doing that? Like, something happened yeah. there. There's some trauma, I think, and it's turned into generational trauma, and um, he's just making it worse. A little bit. 
so yeah, like I agree with uh, Grayson that this like it wasn't necessary to do that but it was a plot device yeah it, it opened up that door because Ursula's been like watching her the whole time and knew um, her her vulnerabilities so it was like the perfect opportunity for her to send her like eels or whatever in to be like mm-hmm. sneaky weasels of the sea <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so they come in and tell her pretty much, well, you deserve better. Come with us. We'll take you there. We'll make sure that everything's good. And she she goes through this little underwater cavern. Well, everything's underwater. What am I talking about? But <laughs> And they got all these little trapped souls. And I spent so long just looking at them like they reminded me of something. And it came to me that they were the Monstars from Space Jam. <laughs> trapped underwater. Okay, I, I can see it, yeah. I mean, it's like kind of similar shapes. Mm-hmm. Ursula's lair, like, is pretty creepy. Because it looks like it's in, like, some old carcass of something. Mm-hmm. Um, they, like, swim into this, like, giant scary mouth with sharp teeth. Um. I kind of get why Keaton was freaked out because, like, giant sea monster carcass and, like, these weird slimy little, like, people that she's, or mer people, I guess, that she's, like, turned into these weird little wormy guys. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of creepy. But, oh, my gosh, like, Keaton was never wrong that Ursula is scary, but I, like, she's probably, like, my favorite villain from, like, this Disney era. Mm-hmm. I love her so much. And, like, Pat Carroll, like, made her, like, a, just a super fun character. So, the deal is you got three days to get a guy that you've only seen when he woke up and then you swam off to kiss you. Which, that's a whole nother level of wrong in today's world, but whatever. Especially when you're 16 and 18 and... Whatever. And so Ariel, being the love-struck pup, for lack of a better term, signs her life away, and she gets her sea legs. No, not her sea legs, her land legs. She loses her voice, or she, like, that's her payment. She gets her voice back, true love's kiss, or whatever. Yeah, and so I, I guess I never realized when she came out of the water, she was naked. Yep. Yep, with and, apparel. Yeah, she was she was clothing optional, I guess would be how you would say. And so she gets used to her legs pretty fast, which doesn't make sense because we both had kids that learned to walk. Mm-hmm. And you don't walk like she did after eight minutes. Yeah, not that fast. I mean, not even Bambi walked that well after eight minutes. It took more than that for him to get his legs under it. But Yeah, but I like how they, like, I always thought it was so cute how they fashioned her um, a dress out of Uh a sail or whatever that was. Um, I always thought, like, a canvas drop cloth is what it looked Mm -hmm. like. I just, I don't know. It's just, like, kind of a cute look. She's just, like, messy and adorable. Yeah. 
Um, but like, I had a thought. So right before we see her like legs for the first time, <laughs> that sounds weird to say, Eric's like <laughs> not around the castle, like leaning against a wall. And I want to know how, like the dimensions of that castle because it looks like so big. He looks like mm-hmm. teeny tiny next to it as he's like leaning on that one wall. Like how big is that place? Has to have at least four rooms. <laughs> um. So Flounder and Sebastian are keeping tabs on her. Sebastian's literally there with her, which leads to hilariosity later on, because we instantly see her get swept up by Eric, and of course Eric's trying to figure out where he knows her from, but she's not the same because she can't talk, Yeah. and she's trying to sign what she is and who she is and what he needs to do to make everything good, and... Then the next thing that you know, they're just sitting down to dinner, and she sees her um, hairbrush. Yeah, there. the dingle hopper. The dingle hopper, and starts to do her hair, and then she realizes, oh, this is here for her. And then the, I guess, manservant? The butler? Starts to blow on a pipe. But, okay, butler. Starts to blow on a pipe, and she gets all excited. Because she thinks it's a musical instrument, mm-hmm. which she in turn blows smoke all over his face. Yes. And somehow her and Sebastian get separated, and Sebastian ends up in the kitchen with Deep Space Nine's Odo. Is that for real? Like who, did, who does that? Yes. It is Rene Abadajabunwa. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. God rest his soul. Wait a second. Is it? Yes. Because I'm I'm doing a rewatch of the entire Deep Space Nine. Okay. And my, as soon as I heard his voice, I'm like, Odo? Have you shapeshifted into a chef? I'm with you now. Okay. So I do, I, I, um, Take two. <laughs> like, I saw him in, like, the voice cast. Is it Operationois? Rene Operationois? Um, yeah, but we'll I've go never, with that. I've never connected, like, I just didn't know until recently. Oh, he's the chef. Um, I know mm-hmm. I became familiar with him through the show Boston Legal, which today is like okay. the goofiest funnest shows to ever be on air i love that show um it's on my watch list it'll i'll probably get to it when i'm old and senile and won't remember it so it's it's so so in a couple of years yeah like there's parts of it that i think don't hold up as well as others um just except that you have to keep in mind that like the main character like they're all kind of um sexist anyways and it's just that I mean that's the character but it's like mm-hmm. one of the things they get away with are like mm, it's kind of gross but it's a great show anyways um, Sebastian is with is with the chef as you said hilarity ensues this is one of the best scenes in the movie notably seeing from the live action have yet to see it so oh sorry spoiler alert no it's fine we'll get we'll get to it eventually because we're 
you and I are still kicking around whether we're going to do live action at the same time as the um, original or if we're just going to give it the 30 years that it needs between each movie. <laughs> but, um, so the butler opens his... Um, words bad, words hard. His tin, and Sebastian crawls out of his plate over to yeah. Ariel's. <laughs> And then he makes the comment, well, let's go ahead and eat before the crabs wander off our plates. And then he picks up his um, lid, and there's no crab or flounder or lobster or anything on his plate. So it was kind of a funny little ha-ha moment. Yes. And I was actually surprised at how quickly Ariel went to such night. Because it was her first night sleeping on anything other than a waterbed, and she went right to sleep. Yeah, she was probably, like, tired. Like, what a big day. She got all of her stuff destroyed. She made a deal with the sea witch. Um, she lost her voice, became a human, um, got, like, acclimated to land life and clothing. And it was a big day. Dingle hoppers. She's 16. She's a growing girl. She was very tired. <laughs> And so now we cut back to the castle and King Triton's all up in arms because his youngest daughter has run off and he says that no one is to sleep until we find my daughter. And we don't go back to him until the very end of the movie. So we don't know if anybody actually does sleep. And the next morning, Eric takes Ariel out for a tour of his kingdom and she gets to see a Punch and Judy puppet show, which I always love those. And she almost wrecks, which leave it to a woman to almost wreck at her first time driving. <gasps> was the note that I put. I'm sorry. You can send hate mail on that. And we end up with them out in a boat and he's trying to figure out her name. And he says, is it Mildred? Is it Diana? Is it Rachel? And then I think it's Sebastian that whispers, Ariel. Yeah. And it's like, it's Ariel. Like, like you're going to be able to see me in an audio drama, but I'm nodding my head. <laughs> um, I thought, man, this is like, the, where he's guessing her name is like one of my favorite scenes, even when I was a kid, because like, clearly she's not a Mildred. But like, Diana and Rachel kind of fit like the look of her mm -hmm. to me um plus she's just like cute i don't know like as as an adult like watching this back i was like oh he thinks she's cute like he's you i mean you see throughout the movie that he's falling for her but i don't know mm -hmm. it, it's a little different now that i'm like oh kids like i think of 16 and 18 year olds that i know i'm like oh they're so cute and, of course, we have Ursula watching this with her two little electric eels. Mm -hmm. And they flip the boat because he's getting very close to Kisty Girl. And she says, well, that little tramp. And I was like, uh... Did she call her a tramp? Yeah. She says, that little tramp, she's getting too close. And then the next thing that you see... She's gone off to get dressed for bed. 
And Eric has somehow learned how to play part of that world on his flute. Oh, because he, he remembers her singing it to him. Okay, so he has perfect pitch, obviously, which is the only way that anybody could pick up a tune within two days of it's a traumatic experience. It's in his memory, but like we don't know how long it took him to play that, but maybe he's like a skilled flute player. Some people can do that. I'm not one of those people, um, but you know. I, like, forget how fast the timeline of this movie is (laughs) until it's, like, oh, suddenly now, like, Ursula's, like, I gotta get up there Mm -hmm. and creates herself a human body or takes a human form with Ariel's voice to trick Eric. Um, (sighs) And so I know you watch... Um, reality TV. Yes. Do you watch Love is Blind or anything in that level of shenanigans? No, I've stuck to mostly like what's on network TV. Okay. Because I listen to a couple of podcasts where they talk about those kind of shows. And the engagement that Ursula and Eric have is on the level of a love is blind type of rapidness. I mean, we're talking less than 12 hours. And of course she has him under her spell, so it's not a legitimate compulsion, but still 12 hours from meeting her to being married or to being trying to be married is rapid even for Disney standards. Yeah, well, and like you said, he's like kind of not enchanted, but, like, he's under her spell. Uh, and, like, maybe this this is, like, has nothing to do with anything, but, like, looking at Ursula, who's, like, as a human, calling herself Vanessa or something, her eyes are purple. So, like, that's Ursula's color. But um, mm-hmm. to me, like, even as a kid, I thought, she looks too old for him. <laughs> Like, he's 18, and she looks like she's 25 or 26. He's like, we're going to be married tonight. Yes. Before the sun goes down. Yeah. Poor Ariel. So sad. Yeah. And, of course, Scuttle decides that everybody needs to try to stall the wedding, and so he gets all of his seagull buddies up to dive bomb the ship. Yeah. And... The dog, bless him, he knows bad people because he did not like Ursula. And, of course, Eric's all enchanted, so he didn't realize what was going yeah, on. Yeah, Scottle, like, catches her uh, singing in her, like, dressing room, and it's like, oh, crap. He realizes what's going on, fills everybody else in, and then they're like, mm-hmm. that's when they're like, we got to stop that wedding, the dive bombing, like, the, the stopping of the wedding... It's very funny. Um, Mm -hmm. As they're, like, trying to stall and just creating. I love how they're, like, all the birds just attack and there's, like, a starfish that, like, hits her in the face. How did they organize that so fast? I don't even care. It's too good. And so, of course, Ariel swims out as best she can with her legs and they get to the boat and Eric sees her just as the sun's going down and gives her a kiss and of course she's too late 
And, of course, Ursula gets her wish, and she has Ariel's voice, and so now Ariel becomes one of the little monsters that lives under the sea. And Triton doesn't like this at all, and so he decides, well, I'm going to give her what she really wants, which is my crown. And when Ursula gets the crown, she looks a little Simpson-ish, because she's, she's this big, nasty witch, and she's got this purple crown, and I just... I I think she looks like Maggie Simpson for some reason. I never... And, and... Oh, okay, 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 okay. I see it now. <laughs> it's the spikes. It's the spikes. She's she's going to be Maggie for Halloween, didn't you hear? Or is it Lisa? <laughs> no, they both have that same kind of spiky hair, I guess. Yeah. She she she's one she's one of the girls. So Um and of course now that Disney owns The Simpsons, it's all interconnected. Yeah. They probably watched this movie. But nevertheless, um Triton gives Ursula the crown so that way Ariel doesn't have to spend the rest of her life as a little monster. Yeah, but Triton Triton is like one of the little wormy guys now. Yeah, so he so he turns into a little a little wormy guy, and Eric's had enough, and so he turns his ship and impales Ursula, and we all live happily ever after. Yeah, except for Ursula, who is now impaled on a ship, and she becomes a mermaid herself. <laughs> Does she? Uh, well, I mean, that might be where the the ships got their or that got their um mermaids from. I don't know. Jack Sparrow had one, didn't he? Maybe. I like just like wonder what she expected when she like stirs up the entire like ocean and there's mm-hmm. all these shipwrecks that like start moving around when she's like messing with the water. Like, what made you think that that wouldn't happen? She was, like, at risk of getting impaled either way. Eric just um, made it a little more intentional instead of accidental. It is kind of cool to see all those old ships, like, in the swirly ocean, like, the whole thing that she creates. Um, And so now that Ursula's gone... Triton sees that Ariel is miserable because she has to return to her people. And he gives her a gown. And I kind of wonder why Ursula didn't at least clothe the girl before he put, before she put her out on the, on the, on the, um, sand. Cause she's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and of course they get married at the end of the movie. And this is where we have the first bad um, Disney, if you pause it just right, allegedly, the priest has a, um... Has a problem? Yes, that, that, that's the, thank you! Huh, I've never, I had not heard that. I, listen, like, honestly, I was always just too busy, like, being excited about the glittery mm-hmm. dress that she, like, walks up on shore with, and then the great big poofy like wedding dress. I've never ever noticed that or paid any attention. Uh, well, 
also there was an issue with the actual um, CD or yeah the CD case the VHS case because apparently some of the um, Atlantean castles are looking a little maleish like phallic and we'll just leave it yeah <laughs> um. So we're getting into the good Disney now. I remember like <laughs> hearing about that like when I was like too young to really know, but um, I think I I don't know. I never really like looked into it or paid any attention. So it's like that's urban legend. That's just somebody being dumb. Um, maybe it was. I don't know. But regardless, we get back to the very end of the movie, and I could never figure out why Triton threw a rainbow over the entire landscape at the very end of the movie. It's pretty. Um, or is he accepting of all people? Maybe that's it. Um... Maybe it's, the end. it's like a thing of like mermaids and humans can be together, or whatever. Um, I don't know. That's <laughs> funny. I've it's never occurred to me. I'm just like, ooh, pretty. That's what I would be like in real life. Everyone, get your phones out, take a picture. Um, oh, it's a double rainbow all the way. <laughs> yeah, I. It's never occurred to me. Like at some point, probably when I was like twelve. 10 or 12, I was like, why is Triton so muscly? Um, why? Because he's the king, I guess. Yeah, it's good to be the king. But that's our coverage of The Little Mermaid. Do you have anything else for this one? Um, well, no, not like movie specific. Um, in our last episode, I hinted at a fun little anecdote, um, this movie. So I've, I talk about my cousins a lot because I, like, I watched a lot of movies with them growing up. This was one that the cousin closest in age to me is nine months older than me. And it like the timing of our birthdays worked out so that like we'd be, we'd be the same age for a few months, but she's always a grade ahead of me in school. I don't know why that matters, but like that was kind of the dynamic. And there was always like a little bit of competition between us as a result. Um, and this was one of the things that we fought about for probably a whole year it was like, who sounded more like Ariel who could sing that ah 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 I'm not going to do it um the you know the part who could sing <laughs> the best and sound the most like her I when I tell you that we fought about it for a year I'm not kidding like I was probably like six or seven years old so <laughs> so there's that um but even to the point that like there was like a boy that we both liked and we had a singing contest in front of him and made him who oh, was the big yeah it's stupid like i just I, it's funny now i'm i could oh, our poor parents were probably so sick of it that's that's it <laughs> you mean you mean the oh we thought about that um it was never resolved 
But I did make all-state choir in high school, so maybe we could pretend it was mm-hmm. me. Maybe you need to challenge her to a sing-off. No, well, I mean, and- it was like, oh, this movie's like 34 years old, so <laughs> that's how long ago this was. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Not now. <laughs> Hopefully nobody in my family listens to this. I don't know. We've 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 got quite a few new listeners over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Thanks to the Haunted Mansion episode. But Alright, well let's move on to the three big questions. Today's impact of the movie. Obviously, remake. Yeah. I was going to say, they pretty much covered it, although um, I guess it depends on how you want us to think about this question, because in the live-action remake, um, it's kind of set in the same, like, ambiguous time period. Like, we don't really know when it was, but, like, they don't have cell phones or TVs or anything. (laughs) So, in the olden days... But if you wanted to send that, like, in the future and say this is how it would go if it happened, like, if we... Because, you know, like, if this... I'm making it harder than it needs to be. Because, like, some movies that we... That I'm like, oh, technology. Like, that's easy. Technology changes the whole story. But this is happening in a time period removed from all of that. So maybe it doesn't matter. (laughs) I mean, well, considering, and I'm not really bearing the lead, that Disney did splash four years before they did this. Mm -hmm. So they did a live-action version of it, starring the great Tom Hanks, and I doffed my hat to him, back when he was just a little-known actor. And, I mean, when... Me and Mike and Scott Gartner covered that one. Or excuse me, Icky, but everybody knows who he is because he gets tagged on both whenever this episode goes up onto Facebook. So if you don't know, I'm sorry. Just completely demystified the entire show. But <laughs> yeah, when when we covered it, we were like, was Disney actually thinking about doing The Little Mermaid when they did this? Because, I mean, it's so... I mean, of course it didn't have the big bad mermaid in it, but it had all the different parts of, well, she's on land, she can walk, not very well. Of course she had better pipes than Ariel because she could blow out TVs, but whatever. Um, But it kind of made us all think that maybe Disney was gearing up to actually start this movie when they were doing that one. And now, what we say 34 years later, they did the live-action official remake, which have not watched. Wanted to see it, but it was during the time of the year that I couldn't get to the theaters every week to watch a movie. So, I missed it, and I, I had a sad. Um, well, where were we? <laughs> we're still in the first question, right? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I do, like I won't spoil it for you, although it's, oh, it's, you know the story. Um, Tell us all. No, it's not that one. It's, for those who haven't seen it, 
and who like this movie. I would say it's pretty faithful to it, but Mm -hmm. they do um, update things in a way that you would expect and hope, I think, for the time that we're in, where it's obviously there was like a huge like fuss and and lots of racism towards um, the actress that they cast because she is a woman of color. And, um, but I don't want to focus on the negativity. It's a first cast. And um, I think they, they did this whole thing justice. You also have to just keep in mind, like they're, it's the same story, but they're really two separate movies. Yeah. Yeah, I was able to like not think about this one while I was watching the other one. Yeah. So I think. No. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's always a good thing when you can put a movie aside to watch a remake, whether it's a live action to cartoon or vice versa, and you can see the similarities, but it doesn't pull you out like it. Like some of the Disney movies. Right. Um, Lion King. <laughs> well, to me, this didn't do that. I know some people probably think differently. This, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but today's impact on this movie is a, a more diverse cast. Um, mm-hmm. Any of the, like, misogyny, even if it was so subtle in this movie that you barely even noticed it. Um, is gone from the remake. It's 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 a separate movie, and it's better in the ways that you would hope. Since we, you know, think differently in the future. Yeah. Oh, this next one's pretty. I think I think we pretty much covered it. Is it mirrored in culture? I mean, girls love to be the Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. My goddaughter, I think, was Ariel one year for. Um, Halloween. Uh, this is this is definitely a movie that you, if it comes on, you're not gonna. You might stop and see where they're at in it, and decide if you're gonna watch it or catch it when it reruns in 12 hours on Disney or whatever. Yeah. When they're doing their their marathons, um, I think one of the bippity boppity booze that you can actually get is an aerial makeover i could be wrong i don't have a daughter don't claim to know that side of the i want to say i've seen friends kids do this so i think you're right um and that's not even to mention like the iconic things that are like a fork is a dingle hopper and like mm-hmm. look at this stuff isn't it neat they've made that into like a meme of all kinds of things so <laughs> like it's inescapable just because this movie yeah. is such it was a big deal in 1989 and it continues to be one of the most beloved disney films of my lifetime yeah and finally does it fit into today's society i think we just answered that yeah pretty much no, it doesn't have a place. Get out of here. And that's a wrap, guys. So, as we have, as we mentioned, we are at the end of the 80s. So, before we dive headlong into the plethora of great Disney 
classics now because I guess if it's 20 years or older it's considered a classic so I guess I'm a classic but I don't know some people might disagree with that Um, we are going to step back a couple of years and pick up some of the touchstone films which Splash was actually the first touchstone film so next week we will actually be covering well the next live the next brand new episode whether it's next week or in two weeks because I'm not sure where releases are going to be hitting now because we're getting closer to the holidays and I'm trying to anyway whatever y'all don't, y'all don't need to know how this how the sausages the next movie is going to be the 1987 classic starring Elizabeth Shuey Shuey Shue. I think it's a shoe I think cocktail wait no not that one leaving Las Vegas wait no not that one <laughs> I'm completely confusing Kara. Yeah, I'm... She's like, wait, did I did I not watch the right movie? Um, no, it is Adventures in Babysitting, starring Cheetah's very own Keith Coogan, along with Elizabeth Shue, and also a very well-known cast of characters that we will discuss when we come back to cover it next time. If this is your favorite Disney movie. Or if you liked the live action version better than this one, drop us a line, be kind rewind DMP at gmail.com. As always, the DMP stands for Disney Plus Movie Podcast. Um, let us know what we missed, if we are right on the two urban legends that are out there regarding this movie. Um, if you have never seen this movie until you watched it for homework, tell us what you liked about it or if you didn't like it. Or where you found us. Because we'd like to know where our people are coming from. As I said, we've got a lot of new listeners out there. So we thank you for sticking around. Because we are starting to get into the better Disney movies. Or in my opinion, they're better. I'm sure some people will disagree. But um, as is always our custom, before we sign off, I have to tell you to stay safe. Stay hungry, and watch out for the ships when you're in a whirlpool and you're in a a, um, 30-foot-tall sea monster. We'll talk to you next time. We think she was really only 30 feet tall. (laughs) That's what we're going with. Okay. I thought you were going to talk about the chef. Oh, well, okay. Watch out for Chef Odo. Especially if you're a crab. Yes. (laughs) Regardless, we will talk to you the next time you listen to us. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Three days. Now listen, this is important. Before the sun sets on the third day, you've got to get dear old Princey to fall in love with you. That is, he's got to kiss you. Not just any kiss. The kiss of true love. 
If he does kiss you before the sun sets on the third day, you'll remain human permanently. But if he doesn't, you turn back into a mermaid and you belong to me. No, Ariel! <laughs> Have we got a deal? If I become human, I'll never be with my father or sisters again. That's right. But you'll have your man. <laughs> Life's full of tough choices, isn't it? <laughs> oh, and there is one more thing. We haven't discussed the subject of payment. You can't get something for nothing, you know. But I don't have I'm any. not asking much. Just a token, really, a trifle. You'll never even miss it. What I want from you is... Your voice.